Bokotov, we are studying for Ashat Achremot. We have two days to do it. We have today and we have Bezor Shem Sunday. Uh, the parasha is split. The parasha is actually read on which day of the year? On which day of the year? Which day of the year do we read this parasha? Other than on Shabbat of oh, oh, we read spring? It, uh, Kippur. On Yom Kippur, okay? The reason for reading on Yom Kippur is because the first half of the parasha is entirely devoted to the service of, of the, the Kohen Gadol. And then the second half of the parasha is read on the Mincha of Yom Kippur. Yes. And that describes some of the isurim of, of the sexual situation. relations. Okay? So we're not going to get into the second half of the parasha. We're going to I'll try to understand the relationship and how the parasha all ties together on Sunday. That's like a longer topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's try to understand to the best of our ability the first half of the parasha, the part with the service of Yom okay. Kippur. First of all, what is this part of the parasha doing here? What is this idea? What is this, um, this, is this description two, of... After the two sons of... Uh, after this, pas- the, the death of Aaron's two sons. Correct. That's what the parasha says. Um, meaning we describe the, the service of Yom Kippur. The pasuk says that it was after the death of the sons of, of Aaron. Um, God... How does, it, how does it say it? Let's read it. You're not, you're not allowed to go into the Kodesh HaKodeshim any time you want. This, uh, exactly. Uh, After the death of the two sons of Aaron, God says to Moshe, uh, before, whenever they came before God and they died, and Hashem says to Moshe, speak to Aaron, your brother, tell him not to come anytime he wants into the Kodesh, inside the Parochet, to the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Rather, you can only do it at one, one specific day. time, a year on the 10th of the month of Tishrei. Okay. So... The, the, the only thing is, when did Aaron's sons die? Oh, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, died a while ago. They died in Pasha Shemini. Yeah, so, so as yeah. we pointed out before, you have to understand that the whole section of the Torah, of, of the book of Haikra, the, that's from right after the death of Aaron's sons, until this, is, all in, is a form of interjection. Yes. It's an interjection of specific laws that were to prepare us for the rules for the average person coming into the Mikdash. So, for example, what was the first law that comes after the death of our own sons? First no. law is Ya'in v'shechar al-tesh, that the Kohanim cannot drink, drink. wine when they yes. come into the Mikdash. Yes. Okay, but then after that, we had other laws. Yes. Like um, laws of uh, Zav and Zava. If a person's a Zav, if a person has an omission that makes him technically, halakhically yeah. impure, Mitzorah. he can't come into the Mikdash. Mitzorah. You have the Mitzorah. The, the Mitzorah is a person who can't go into the Mikdash. Yeah. So a lot of those laws, right after the death of the sons of Aaron, were laws to train us and to teach us why something like this, the death of Aaron's sons, would happen. Now our parasha is now switching to the positive sense. Okay, now that you know how, what you must stay away from when you want to approach the Mikdash, now, I teach you. now that we've learned all of the laws of Tum'ah, then we teach you when you are allowed to come into the Mikdash. It's not hopeless. There are times when you're allowed to come into the Mikdash. Your sins will be cleaned, cleansed at some point in the year. Your Tum'ah will be cleansed as well, okay? Did they know that they shouldn't go? Oh, Who? The sons of uh, Aaron? Probably not. Good they question. It's a very good question. Um, the, the, what if it they, says like this, after the death of... Maybe it's, that's, such a punishment, they should know wow. something. I mean. Well... Here's what we do know, that whenever they were by Har Sinai, which was the precursor to the Mishkan, that Hashem was very clear. Do not approach the mountain, do not even touch the edge of the mountain. And 
Whoever touches the mountain will die. And Kodesh HaKodashim is the same as being on the mountain. It's the same thing. Kodesh HaKodashim is the same thing. It's the same. It's a miniature. It has the same status. Now, how would they have known that? You know, Jonathan Levy is sitting here doing, saying this derasha, <laughs> connecting the Mishkan to the Kodesh Kodesh, and you're laughing at me because how would, how would uh, no, no, I'm, just saying, I'm exaggerating. But how would Nadav and Abihu... No person from that mountain didn't know that it was going to go in this room. <laughs> there was no... There, no, but what, the, what, they, could, what they could have known, what, what they could have known is that whenever God's Shekhinah is somewhere, you don't go to that yes. place. The same reason when God's... Because it's the same cloud on both places. There's a cloud that hovers over the Mishkan in the Kodesh Kodashim, and there's a cloud at the top of the mountain. And the idea was, this is God's Shekhinah, don't approach it. Now all of a sudden you see that same exact cloud and you go and you approach it. So we're going to see in these Pesukim, Al Kodesh, God says to Aaron, this is Pasuk Bet of our parasha, do not come at any time into the Kodesh, mi bet la parochet, inside the parochet, ki be'anan irai la kaporet, because with a cloud, I always stay on top of the kaporet. Don't approach there, because my cloud is there. The same way I told you, do not approach the top of the mountain, for my You're cloud is there. To approach so, so what's interesting, is R- 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 Rabbi Sachs has a very nice essay, on, on, this, on this parasha. He actually makes a connection, which I didn't think about. We know, there's for sure, as Ramban says, it's hard, you cannot deny that there's a connection between Har Sinai and the Mishkan, as we just said, right? Same exact thing. The cloud stays on the Har Sinai, and then we, try, we bring it to make it in a portable way when we build the Mishkan, okay? So there was one person who did go and approach the cloud. Who was that? Moshe. Moshe, right? Moshe walks, El Ha'arafel HaShashem Elohim. Moshe walks into the Arafel that God is there and he stays there for 40 days and 40 nights and then he gets the, the, the Luchot. He does it twice. He does it twice, exactly. Now, who... After, after, and Moshe, you know, to, he, he did that for a very important reason. B'nai Israel sinned. First he had to go. First he was there uh, to get, to get, to get the, the first Luchot. And then he hears that Bnei Israel have sinned. So he immediately pleads with Borei Olam. This is all in Parshat Kitisa in Sefer Shemot. He pleads with Borei Olam. Please don't destroy Am Israel. Let me go down and see what they're doing. So Borei Olam says, okay, fine. I won't destroy Am Israel. But go down and see what they're doing. He goes down and he tells Am Israel, what are you doing? He breaks the Luchot and he kills. He tells Bnei Levi, Mi Ladonai who's with me? They go and they clean up the camp. They get rid of all idol worshippers, all the people who are doing the Chaita Egel, the 3,000 people. And then he goes back up. And now... Moshe, he's asking for atonement. He's asking for atonement. Okay, he asks for atonement, and then when does he come down the mountain with the second Yom luchot? Yom Kippur. According to Rashi, it's, it's Yom, Yom Kippur. This is why we Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. So, so what's interesting is that is that Moshe Rabbeinu, this is like the most important thing he may have done for Am Yisrael. This leadership that he showed yes. in first he went and he saved Am Yisrael's life when he prayed the first time. But then instead of going and being uh, like white glove treatment with Am Yisrael, he really, really gives it to them and he kills the people that were involved. But then he goes back to Borei Olam and then he tries to get complete atonement and he brings down second Luchot. So it's like Moshe Rabbeinu is like this intermediary. He's pulling from one side and he's pulling from the other side and he's trying to hold God and Am Yisrael together. And it's incredibly important that Moshe Rabbeinu does this. So what Rabbi Sachs is pointing out is that who would you expect then 
to be the one to lead the Yom Kippur service from then on? Moshe. Moshe. Because if the Yom Kippur service is built off the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchot and he managed to get atonement. on Yom Kippur, getting atonement, yes. then Moshe should be the one to do the atonement from Correct. then on. But he was the Kohen Gadol until he gave it to But he, he was the Kohen Gadol even. He was the Kohen Gadol until he gave it to Aaron. Meaning there was even an official transfer in which this service was given to Aaron. But it's interesting because we never realize how much this Yom Kippur service that we're seeing is modeled off what occurred with the Chet yes. right? The whole idea of approaching the Arafel and getting atonement for Am Yisrael. That's exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu did. taught Moshe Rabbeinu how to ask for atonement. So Rabbi Sachs points to something very interesting. He says, he says, the way Judaism works, the way the Torah works, is it takes very, very, very important situations or very important ideas and it turns them into rituals that must be done year after year after year. So for example, on the holiday of Pesach, we take the exodus from Egypt, which included the death of the firstborn, yes. and then we turn it into a holiday in which we, celebrate. We, in which we, uh, we, we, slaughter the, we, we slaughter the Korban Pesach, and then we, bring, we reenact the, the leaving of Egypt and everything. And then we place special attention on the firstborn, yes. we have a Pidyon Abed. So all of the things that went into leaving Mitzrayim, that made this momentous event, what did Yahadud do? Put it into a holiday. It turned it into a holiday in order to preserve yes. that thing. But also Hashem told them to go make it into a holiday and come and visit me. You have to come and visit me. For sure. But, but the idea, what, what Yahadud tends to do is when, it, when there is a very inspirational moment in Yahadud oh. that's, that's key for the growth of the nation, the Torah takes that inspirational moment and turns it into a ritual, into a, a holiday, something that people could do physically. So they can feel part of it. So that they could feel part of it and so that they could remember it. Now Rabbi Sachs points out that this is exactly what Yom Kippur is for the whole Moshe experience with Tachet Ha'egel. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu is one prophet. Moshe Rabbeinu is a Navi. His descendants aren't involved. His descendants, we don't even know what, who they are. What, what if happened you look at Sefer Shofetim, then maybe that they were involved in, much later, five generations later, that they were involved in the Pesel Micha. But Aharon and the Kohanim, the Kehuna, the Kehuna is an establishment for maintaining rituals. It's an establishment for, for you know, you do the same thing every single day. It's, it's, the whole Kehuna is built off doing physical things while the Navi will let's say come and will give an amazing speech to Am Israel, reminding them to do Teshuvah but there are no mitzvot that are tied to the Navi the Navi doesn't do mitzvot only the Kohanim the, Kohen, the Kohanim they do the mitzvot yes. so what, what the parasha is doing according to Rabbi Sachs is that it's, this whole parasha is a way of taking what Moshe Rabbeinu succeeded in doing and, and, on the and, mountain and, making and into an action. turning it into a ritual the same way we take the leaving of Egypt and we turn it into a holiday we take the atonement of the Chet and we turn it into a holiday. Turn it into an action with strict, strict behaviors. Yes. And this way, all the lessons that we gain from that specific experience, they get preserved. You know, the same I way... I remembered every... We remember uh, every single thing. And this, uh, is something that's, this is something that's very, very important. Very important to the preservation of Yadut. And it goes to a very fundamental argument into how religions should be kept. So, 
in, I'm reading a book on history right now that's talking about the, the formation of Christianity, how it formed. And, and when it was forming in, let's say, what, like 40 CE, was there was a group that started with a guy named John the Baptist. He was a guy who was very into doing tevilah or something. So he said, why should we keep all of these laws? As long as we get the gist of the Torah, we're good. You know, as long as we're nice to one another and we're, and we're decent and we certain have faith in the Lord. Certain fundamental parts. Of yeah, we keep the certain fundamental ideas behind the laws. But the laws, you don't know. So we what happens? A, we don't need the 613 laws. Well, what do we need the laws for? And then part of that group was a guy named Jesus. And Jesus was a very, very inspirational person and he got a lot of people to start charisma. following him. And then well, the problem was that the Romans didn't like all these false messiahs, you know, that were people who had, they had a lot of followers that were scared it was going to turn into a their thing, enemies. into their enemies. So the Romans, they, they killed him. But then when you kill a guy that everybody looks up to, all of a sudden people got, you know, they say, no, 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 he can't be that he's dead. He can't be, he was our savior, this, that. So he started making this idea that he's going to come back, that he's the messiah. And then certain people saw that a guy named Paul, he was an apostle, whatever that means, he saw that, well, this is actually a very, uh, a very good idea. You, Judaism brings a lot of great ideas to the world, but who's going to keep all these laws? Well, I'm going to go tell some Roman person in the Colosseum to go and, and circumcise himself. But what I could tell him is that be nice to your fellow and this and that, and it's very good for you. And he, he, may, be, he may buy it, and then I'll get all this power. So he ends up spreading Christianity by avoiding Judaism of all of the physical actions. Yes. It's a deri derivative. Like, like, how do you say? Uh, it's a, a small... Yeah, it's a derivative of Judaism in which it doesn't, it doesn't have all of the actions. Now, the problem with that is that it, it's if you take away all of the actions from the ideas, yes, the, then the ideas get lost as well. Okay? You don't preserve the ideas. You don't preserve the ideas if you don't have physical actions. The importance of the halakha is that we concretize our beliefs by forming, by doing physical actions, by turning them into habits. That's why when people come and like, I believe in Yahadut, but like, Kanisa uh, isn't for me. Yeah, but if you if you don't go to Kanisa and you don't do the Finish. things, then the Yahadut it falls apart. You know, it's not for putting me. The, the, putting the tefillin, it's not for me. I, I, I believe in the, the basic principles of being good to my fellow. In Yandu, we don't believe that that's enough. Because unless you turn things into concrete behaviors, they don't last. So this is one of the lessons of Akhremot, is that the, we took this experience. process, this experience of Moshe on the mountain, getting Am Israel atonement for the Chet HaEgel, and we turned it all into this big ritual of Yom Kippur, which we will read about more on Sunday. Um, I want to point one, one more thing out. The founding of America, let's say, was built, as, and we always say this, was built on brilliant ideas. They borrowed most of the ideas from, from, the, Torah. from the Torah. Now, we, as we see today, it's not the, the traditions of America, the, tra the founding, the principles on which it was founded, they're slowly, not slowly, they're rapidly they're, they're dissolving. Everybody, nobody cares right? about it. Nobody cares about it. It's, all, it's, a, it's a good place. Everybody is, is good. They're wealthy. They're happy. They're, then, they, and then, you know, they, who, care, who cares about the founding principles? They're, they're, forgetting, they're forgetting God. Now, they forget, forget God. And you could make the argument 
that how is it that Yahadut preserved in almost pristine condition exactly the religion that we kept 2,400 years ago? How did it preserve it so perfectly? While America, which was also built on nice ideas, we're 300 years into this, not, not even 300 years into this experiment, Already everything is and everything's falling it. apart. So how can it be? So you could argue that if, if America wanted to create a new kind of country, a new kind of governance, they needed to have some rituals that they do that people would remember. The, the problem with America is that what's the only day on which we remember America? Not even Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a day oh, we remember. Fourth of July. Fourth, Fourth of, of July. July. Which is a day of the independence. Which doesn't mean it's a day anything. of barbecues and, and uh, fireworks. <laughs> and vacation time. It's a very... Now imagine if every year there was a week-long thing when every American had to go visit Washington, D.C. And there were courses and there had to be a meal at which every American retold the story of the founding and learned about the principles. Everybody would remember. Then there would be some hope that the country would remember the principles of its founding, right? Yes, yes. But without rituals and without halakhot and without minagim and without everything holidays, everything gets forgotten. And that, that's the, the brilliance of Yahadut. That's the secret to Yahadut staying alive for so long. It's that we value halakhot. It's not just a do whatever you want religion, the be nice to your yeah. fellow and you're we good. We respect it and we do it. We, under the toughest, toughest persecution, we're able to maintain because we have concrete laws that guide us that make sure nobody ever forgets we have the and, boundaries and everything and we have our boundaries and we have and, and that internal it causes us to internalize all of the ideas of the religion as well Amen Amen, Amen. 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 Amen.